Welcome back to Real Estate and More. Our special guest today is my good friend, a man well-known in the radio and television business throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. He served as a creator and producer of many radio shows and is, quite frankly, a downright nice guy. As far as knowledge of real estate is concerned, he holds great interest and is constantly asking outstanding questions about housing and the market in the San Francisco Bay Area. He continues to tease me regarding seeing our photo advertisements on shopping carts, all in good nature, at least I believe. Please extend a warm welcome today to Mr. Charlie Cohen. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hello, Michael. How are you? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of questions that just uh, pop into my mind here, and one of them is: Do you have to stage a home? Is that a good idea if you're a, if you're a seller? And uh, about how much would that cost to do that on a like, you know, like a three bedroom, two two bath house? What do it cost to stage it? And is it worth the money? Uh, it's a really good question. We're asked that all of the time. The the answer to that is your home has due to national association of realtors has the ability to sell for as much as 14 percent more if you stage the home uh, we typically use stagers in every home that we list and the reason is is that the home looks beautiful the photos look great whether or not you use them online or in, in printed materials but the answer is yes it does pay off in returns and 14 percent of the home value is something not to sneeze at no i saw i, I think that's uh, you know a worthwhile idea and then did people just come in they take all your furniture out or they bring it in completely different completely different set of furniture with beds and and dressers and everything i mean how, how does it work exactly well the optimum is to let them do all of the staging to where they can make it look just like the most amount or number of buyers would be interested in that that particular home although uh, some stagers will do partial staging and charge you a portion of what they normally would do staging can be anywhere anywhere my wife always gets on me if i try to quote what those uh, amounts are but it could be anywhere from you know like 2500 to as much as ten thousand dollars um for the staging and that's usually for about 60 days of uh, staging time but over the course of our experience we found that it's definitely been worth it okay well you say 60 days what what if it's what if it's less than that i mean what if you sell your house in in two days well you, 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 get, a, you get any money back on that no no. Okay. <laughs> That's, you mean no? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean no. And you know, it also let you know is that uh, the real estate agents make zero money on staging. And so we go and we sell this artwork, which is what stagers tend to think of themselves uh, as people that create art. And you get the um, you get the staging in there. We make no money over it. But at the same time, you know, you, you're adding another element that could be of uh, you know contestable element into the uh, transaction of selling a person's home. If, if the people really like the staging, can they buy some of it and just leave it there and get rid of their old furniture? It has happened in the past, yes. In some cases, uh, with some stagers, no. Michael, I was wondering, if you're, if you're a home buyer, and can you assume the loan, if it's a really good loan or something, or at least you think it is, that the buyer actually has? Can you assume their loan? Well, back in the day, which has been several decades ago, that was definitely a possibility. But now, most of the lenders have um, 
have precluded that. You would still have to qualify as a buyer for that loan before it would be uh, assumable. So the answer is uh, most loans today are not assumable. Well, that answers that question, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean to slam doors here. I'm just uh, saying this is what we have to deal with out there. In, I, guess, in the I guess I saw that somewhere where there was an assumable mortgage or something. But I, I thought, well, I haven't seen much of that, and you're uh, you're emphasizing that. It, it must have been back in your vintage, Charlie. It could be. Yeah. Uh, and Michael, it, it seems in the Bay Area that the market and the price of houses and buying houses and so forth it can vary greatly from one area to another and uh uh so how does that factor in if you're if you're looking for a home um can you you know but you want to live in a certain area then it doesn't really matter what's going on in some other market you're looking in that area how do you try to figure that out what if somebody doesn't know anything about the bay area and they and they know that in some places homes sell very quickly and in others they don't so how do you kind of sort all that out well that's a that's another good question charlie i i didn't realize that you were so adept at this uh, but you are <laughs> anyhow um there are uh, in my view there's more than fifty thousand real estate markets in the united states of which there are sub markets of price ranges or values um, and any one of those has a different set of characteristics along with it in the san francisco bay area the, the it's a very vibrant market here because it has a sense of community there it's well located we're close to lake tahoe we're close to the ocean we're close to culture and one other big factor is that uh, the uh, tech industry, the center of the world is right here in uh, Silicon Valley and on the peninsula. So it's always been a very, very vibrant market here. And your question says, well, okay, well, why, why, uh, why not take a very close look at any one of these segments? markets and say well how much is it is it going to be well a lot of the a lot of the information to start with is online for the home searcher potential buyer but when you get a real estate professional then you've got something that that really makes a lot of sense because the values that you see from some of the big uh, the big Z and the big R and those type of sites uh, they don't they never been to your to the home they've never seen what kind of improvements it is they've they're not really up on what the market actually is doing it's just an algorithm that is used for you know that the characteristics of that house so you get yourself a real estate professional that's been experienced that knows how to negotiate and then um, you look for homes off the market uh, homes that are coming on the market the ones that are off the market is generally going to come from your real estate professional working with um, a top agent network or something of that nature okay if you're selling a home and do they have things where you have to there are contingencies for for uh, uh, buyers and sellers. You have to do this. You have to do that. Is that even happening in the Bay Area right now? Well, in the Bay Area, like it or not, the market is pretty much in equilibrium. A lot of folks think that it was going to fall off the cliff, fall off the cliff, and they've they've been uh, saying that in the media forever. But it's not going to fall off the cliff, in my view, because of the fact that there is no homes not a, a large amount of homes for sale the housing inventory is really low um, the amount of buyers are not real robust at the moment because they're pausing uh, at in mortgage interest rates 
in the real estate purchase agreement um, called an RPA, there are contingencies of sale. The contract itself is 16 pages of as-is conditions, and it has been massaged over by lawyers for years and years and years, and if you want to buy or sell in California, don't use anything else in my view. Um, it has primary contingency, which is investigations where the buyer agrees that within a certain period of time that he will take a look and, and make his own inspections of the home and also take a look at any of the natural hazard uh, disclosures that the seller will provide and then decide after looking also at things such as the HOA, CCNRs, the bylaws, if there is an HOA, and then make a decision, okay, well, I'm going to move forward with the contract or I'm not. Usually the contract has a stipulated a number of days on that at which time the buyer agrees to remove per the contract the second one is the appraisal contingency because lenders typically will lend the lower of the contract price or the value which is derived by a bank sent appraiser so in other words if you have a 20 percent um, down payment required and the bank's going to loan 80 percent if it's a million dollars uh property and then the appraiser goes out and it, it appraises um, and i'm going to be you know a little theatrical appraises for nine hundred thousand they're only going to loan um 80% of 900,000. So if that case you might not have, or the buyer may not have enough cash to put into the equity in order to complete the transaction and therefore he could um, vacate the contract under that term. And the last one is of the loan contingency, which is also um, agreed in the contract terms to uh, the buyer needs to release that within a given number of days in writing to the seller indicating that he's moving forward. And that usually happens when the lender calls up and says, you've got clear to close. So those are the primary um, primary factors of contingency in the uh, residential purchase agreement. Well, here's another question I'm wondering about. What about, uh, what typically, what percentage of the, uh, of, of the selling price is, is the buyer going to have to put down? If it's a million dollar home, let's say, what percentage of that are you gonna have to put, uh, put down to get the loan? Uh, usually, uh, the normal is usually 20%. So if it's a million dollar loan, $200,000 would be the uh, the actual number that uh, you would come out of pocket with. However, there are some loan programs all the way down to you know 5%. <clears throat> the issue with um, anything less than 20% is that lenders normally will require what they call uh, mortgage insurance, which is an additional cost per month to the borrower. Okay. The other thing is, there seems to be a pretty big, uh, a pretty pretty big difference from from neighborhood to neighborhood. Some houses will be on the market for you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Others will be on the market for an hour, and they're gone at uh, you know on a cash sale. Do you find a lot of that going on? That if you can look at a house and say, this house is going to sell very quickly or or give us some, give us a little time because it's going to be you know a week or two or a month yeah um well i hate to step out on theirs but in a lot of cases you can say when you look at a home say this one is definitely going to go and a lot of factors are involved whether or not the listing agent has got out there with the marketing efforts because they are the ones that are responsible for generating some type of activity of buyer activity they're not responsible for what the market will bear as far as a buyer paying x for the home there are some homes you can look at and say well this is going to move because they've been moving within a short period of time 
time. But remember that all of the markets fluctuate and they fluctuate much more often than we would like to say. For example, um, you, you would expect a, a desirable area, you know, you expect it to, to go into contract in three to five days, but the market kind of pulls back or the the um, uh, Fed says that they're going to increase interest rates by, you know, 50 basis points. At that point, it, it will definitely cause a pause in the number of days it takes to get that house into contract. There's so many factors that are involved. You just got to be careful with those. Well, I guess this is all boiling down to if somebody is trying to buy a house or somebody is trying to sell a house, they certainly need somebody like you around to kind of to kind of go through all this stuff and do and do the right things, whether you're a buyer or a seller. It's, I think it's pretty tough to do this yourself. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely would be. I, I would never recommend it uh, to anyone. Uh, even when I go to buy or sell a property, I always have a professional that works with me to make sure that uh, I'm getting my T's and, and I's dotted and crossed and, and dotted, so to speak. Michael, you've been in this business a long time. Then, how, how different are home buyers now than they were years ago, and home sellers now compared to how they were years ago? You know, interesting. Uh, the primary seller today, or one that is reluctant to sell, or homeowner in California, are people of uh, retirement age, and they are they're reluctant to sell if they haven't sold and moved to another. Uh, location, then they're not likely to. They'll, they've got a low interest rate mortgage, like like someone I know I'm looking over there at, and uh, or it's paid off in some cases, and then why move? You know, and it makes perfect sense. So they're reluctant to put their home on the sale uh, on the market and and sell it. Now our buyers today are primarily. Um, we call them millennial age. And they are the younger professionals that are working hard, driving Teslas, usually working in the tech industry, a professional industry. And they're uh, they're focused on some other things. They're not focused on, um, primarily what they're focused on is mortgage interest rates. And as the rates go up, they give it a, um, a reason to pause. And they're thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's too high. Nevertheless, or that the, um, 50 year average of mortgage interest rates are 7.72. They just didn't jump in and when it was 2.5, 2.7, like everyone wished they would have. So you've got millennials on one side, the younger buyers, and they, they want to get in, they want instant returns. They read everything that there is about real estate on in the media and they, they think they know. And in some cases they do, other cases maybe not so much. And the sellers, they're just reluctant. So we have a market that's basically in equilibrium at this point. However, um, I hate to make predictions, but I'm, I'm seeing that we're going into an election year and the uh, ruling party, so to speak, right now is, is likely to say, okay, well, we're going to see what we can do to influence the mortgage interest rates to come down a bit, which in turn will make those millennials want to buy. And when that happens, um, they're going to be buying Jason around the same number of houses that they could have bought today for um, with less competition. Uh, Michael, I don't want to get morbid here, but when you die, let's say you die and there's nobody living in your house. Let's say you and your wife are living there and you die and and your kids inherit the house. OK, and now what do they do? do they is the what's going to happen to the uh, uh, the taxes on the house? And, uh, you know, what are what are their options when, you know, when all of a sudden 
they inherit your house. Uh, what happens to taxes, and how do they how do they look at things at that point? Well, currently, just went through this. Actually, we had a dear friend of the family pass about a year and a half ago, and she had substantial assets. And I was in the uh, successor trustee uh, role. And when we sold her house, it got, the basis was stepped up to what it sold for. So therefore it's established and there was no potential gain because of the stepped up basis, which is good. The second thing is that there, you can, you can do up to 12 million of, um, of, um, inheritance without, uh, paying uh, taxes. And she didn't have that much. Michael, uh, what about the markets today for buying a home, let's say, uh, or selling a home? How is it a lot? Is it a lot different than it was five years ago? I think it's a bit different. My mother, being a broker, uh, was always talking about location, location, location. In my view today, that is actually the second priority. The first priority is the market itself. We all swim, meaning that all buy and sell transactions swim in the market that we operate in. And bear in mind that there's more than 50,000 markets in the um, United States, and they're all sub-segmented into price ranges. So that market fluctuates and we all swim in that market. And I think that that market going up or coming down is going to be the primary number one element and then comes location 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 well it can be you know pretty dramatically different around the country though too you know you watch some of the real estate shows and they're saying okay well we got this thing ready to go and it's going to you know it's going to be four hundred and ninety thousand dollars and then you look around the bay area and you're thinking, wow, where, where can I buy a place for $490,000? So there's a lot, there's a little bit of difference between Waco, Texas and in the San Francisco Bay Area. Absolutely. If you take a look at the peninsula and you take a look at the uh, South Bay and you take a look at the San Ramon Valley, these are all very, very desirable areas to live. You're going to pay to live in a desirable area with a community that, that is there. You know, you've got top rated schools, you've got shopping, you've got, um, the ocean nearby, the bay, and you've got the mountains not too far away, wine countries north and south of us, very desirable. Therefore, the market's gonna be that much more vibrant in this area. Whereas you go out towards uh, the valley, in the middle of the valley, you'll find the, the, the prices, the home values are down quite a bit. So location, location, location is definitely a factor, but those markets are moving all of the time and sometimes as much as once a week. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just an interesting situation, and then a, a lot of it can be uh, also when you put your home up for sale. Um, well, it can be just dramatically different, can it be? I mean, you know, some houses, some houses will sell very quickly, and and others won't. And then you have the situation where if somebody is in with a low interest rate. They just don't have much interest in selling their house unless they so, get unless they get a big number unless yeah. they get a big number they have some reason to sell the house because they have to go somewhere else so yeah. um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things to, to iron out and and the people certainly need somebody like you to help them work it out yes i have a a good friend he runs a, a big uh, real estate company um, there's actually 10 offices in the san francisco bay area and he's always said realtors don't control the market they, and everybody likes to take that on their back as an agent that we control the market real estate agents um and i will say it again do not control the market we do with 
we deal with what we have to work with at the time and we, we draw the activity to the property. And if the property is already desirable, it makes it a little bit less uh, challenging in that regard. And that's number three is, is the property. The third element um, that we need to consider is the actual property itself. So Michael, then what is the fourth element here? Well, as, as a seller, um, knowing that your real estate professionals are unable to control the market, um, you, you have to realize they do have an influence on whether or not the property will sell quickly or medium or uh, take a long time. And the reason is that there's things such as staging, uh, preparation of the home, if it's got some issues with it, the inspections and you know about them and you, you repair those. And, and then of course, uh, advertising and marketing, how you uh, get it out there in front of potential buyers is absolutely critical. You, you need to get it out there uh, in such a way to where it's, it's not, uh, uh, obtrusive, but it uh, it shows many, many times or is heard many, many times that it's for sale before you actually get the interest. Because in today's media, there's so much uh, material out there that if you only say it once, then they only hear it once and it gets lost and all of the rest of it. So the fourth element is you need to find a very good real estate professional to help you in selling your home. It's, it seems like you would just, if you don't do that, you're, you're probably just taking money out of your pocket because, um, I mean, you as a real estate professional are just going to know more what to do. It may cost the seller a little bit, but it's probably worth it because you're talking about a lot of money here uh, for most houses around the Bay Area. And, uh, you know, you could be, you know, you could just make the wrong call if you're if you're not doing that, if you're not involved with a with a real estate agent like you that knows what's going on, because that's all you do is worry about stuff like this. Um, and people who are selling or buying, you know, it's just it's just part of their life, but it's not, they don't have to know everything. You have to know everything. <laughs> and that's why people would, would depend on you to help them along. Well, actually, when you go to represent a seller, you are the seller's advocate. You are the one that is responsible for bringing uh, a deal to the table, whether or not it's through another agent or not, and providing um, the advice that's that's necessary. And one of the things that is underrated and underthought about is the ability of a listing agent to negotiate a contract. And when you hire an advocate, you don't want to hire just a, a public defender. Um, you, if you've got a problem, you want to hire somebody that is a big gun that can actually deal with other agents uh, when they come with their, their offers and such and, and represent your interests, number one. Because let's just say that uh, in, in a deal for a million dollars, there could be a swing of 50, even $100,000 of proceeds to the seller. In our team, our number one priority, and it's written on the wall is that we represent the client first and foremost um, and then of course we have to put food on the table which is a very very small percentage whether or not you pay five and a half percent of a total uh, sales commission or whether or not you pay six and a half percent of a total sales commission it's, it's pretty minor when you take a look at what the potential return can you you can have by hiring the big gun instead of the public defender and it gets a little a little tougher from your standpoint with the way the interest rates are 
it's kind of hard to find sellers <laughs> these days, uh, and, and you have to adjust to all that. Um, and so it's not like, uh, um, you know, it's maybe it wasn't like it was a few years ago when interest rates were, were pretty easy to, to come by. Now it's a little trickier and you have to deal with that. And that's why, you know, you would be better at that than somebody trying to deal with all that on their own. Yeah, I wouldn't try to represent myself in court if I were accused of a crime either. Um, real estate professionals, um, it, it's it's underrated because the actual accomplishment of the license is not that difficult. But the practice that you do from day to day in and day out and gain an experience could mean the difference in one sentence that is delivered to the other side, making a huge amount of difference in proceeds to your seller. And now, you know, and now if somebody has to sell their house for whatever reason um, and they have to move to another place, all of this becomes really important because you don't, you know, you, you're going to you're going to buy another place and the interest rate is going to be different. Maybe it could be dramatically different than what you're selling it for. So this is a lot. There's just a lot of things to, to worry about if you're a buyer or a seller. So it's good to have somebody along that can help. We, we held um, an open house just uh, two weeks ago, and there was like uh, 16, 17 parties of people that went through, which is equivalent of maybe 40 to 45 people. That's a pretty good turnout. But out of those, no one um, generated an offer. No one walked up with an offer. And that's a little bit different than the way it used to be because you have that number of people through there. Odds were going to say that you get at least one good offer from there. You, you would think so. Think, well, that's what you have to kind of keep track of because who knows? Five years from now, things could be different. Maybe the interest rates will go down. Maybe they won't. Uh, but uh, uh, it's a changing market. And if you're not in the, in the business, you know, eight hours a day like you are, then, uh, you know, it, it, it's just something you have to depend on. If you're a buyer or a seller, you need help. Charlie is a veteran of the radio and television business and a knowledgeable person on Bay Area housing. A big thank you to our special guest today, Charlie Cohen. It's always a pleasure to see you, Charlie. Tune in to Real Estate and More every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock on KGO 810, The Spread. The show is also streamed. It can be heard on your mobile device by downloading the app 810, The Spread from the Apple App Store and from Google Play. I hope you tune in next Saturday morning at 9. Have a perfectly outstanding week. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. Information on the show provided for illustrator purposes only and does not constitute professional or legal advice. Information from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Michael Hatfield and the Michael Hatfield Remax team have no liability for information discussed on the show. Consult with qualified professionals prior to taking action. We at the Michael Hatfield Remax team enjoy representing our valued clients. If you or someone you know is interested in buying or selling and wishes to schedule a complimentary appointment with the Michael Hatfield Remax team, call us at 925-322-7775. That's 925-322-7775. Or go to our website, michaelhatfieldhomes.com. I'm Michael Hatfield. Thank you for listening today. 
Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for the next Real Estate and More, when we again sharpen our focus on how's the market. Join us next Saturday morning at 9 and have a wonderful week. Best wishes and blessings to you. DRE 0149 3761.